Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT decision makers. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Joining me today is Special Operations Command CIO Peter Dragakis, who recently spoke at the Special Operations Forces Industry Conference, or SOFIC, in Tampa, Florida. I followed up with Tradakis to hear about his experience at Sophic and get some more details on cloud modernization efforts at SOCOM. Mobile on-demand network access is one of his major priorities. Keep listening to hear why Tradakis believes IT systems and networks are SOCOM's most important weapon systems and how SOCOM is using creative solutions and problem-solving skills to bring SOCOM IT into the future. So to start off the conversation, I would love to get your perspective on how SOFIC 2022 went and maybe some of the big lessons learned you took away from it. No, I thought I thought SOFIC was exceptional this year. Uh, it was great to do it in person, you know, after a two-year remote uh, attempt. I, th- I think Jim Smith, the uh, our, our acquisition executive phrased it best when he said that uh, although we were telling ourselves it was just as good as the real event, that the uh, the virtual events did not stack up. So it was, it was great to, to meet so many former uh, acquaintances that quite honestly I hadn't seen in a couple of years, and it was really good to, to meet some other folks and, and just have that live feel to it. Uh, you know, the added benefit of, of this being an international year, you know, the first time we we're able to do that for about four years uh, was certainly uh, also a, an, an added factor. Definitely. So I know you talked about this a little bit in your keynote speech last week at Sophic, but can you elaborate a little bit on how SOCOM is pivoting its IT strategy to serve end users all over the globe in a mobile and agile environment? Sure. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, I think supporting users and, and really providing communications on a global scale has really been one of SOCOM's, in my opinion, core competencies for a long time, really due to the dispersed and, and often austere environment you know, many of our missions take place in. Uh, you know, given our focus on security and mobility, we're, we're continuously really refining and rebaselining you know, many of our mobility efforts. Uh, with the expansion of commercial solutions for classified and, and non-traditional uh, DOD op- transport options, really our ability to innovate has been you know, significantly enhanced. And, and at the end of the day, we are always conducting research and investing in diverse and distributed you know, communications platforms to improve our secure messaging, you know, reduce the size of our mobile, mobile packages, improve security, and improve secure communications with our uh, coalition partners. Sure. How did the COVID-19 pandemic and subsequent push to remote work impact SOCOM IT? And did this accelerate deployment of the cloud and zero trust efforts at SOCOM? uh, I just want to be clear. So I was not in my current role at the time but uh, certainly was, was observing it from, from commercial industry and have had the opportunity since getting on board about four months ago to, to get with the team. Mm-hmm. But I think the support from the really the J6 community throughout SOCOM, coupled with AT&L's ability to, to rapidly develop 
validate, acquire, and field material solutions was really critical to the command's ability to remain, you know, operationally focused uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, while we certainly had a lot of experience providing, you know, I'll, I'll say niche solutions prior to the pandemic, uh, the collective team, you know, did an ex really an exceptional job, you know, rapidly scaling this by a factor of 10 to 20 to meet the, the, the new demand. We also work with some of our vendors uh, to, to expand a secure cloud-based messaging tool in, in just a matter of days and accelerated uh, our, our Office 365 offering uh, through what they referred to as a Flow3 initiative. Essentially, Flow3 provided a mechanism for SOCOM users to access core services, email, team, SharePoint, and Office, office uh, from their personal workstations. These initial enhancements really provided our, our C4 operations branch uh, the time they required to significantly expand you know, transport, circuit, VPN gateway capacity, along with the time that our acquisition team needed to procure you know, remote user devices. Uh, and even Zero Trust was accelerated through the uh, expedited deployment of Comply to Connect at the mobile edge. Given the sensitivity of SOCOM's missions, how does SOCOM measure the efficiency and the security of remote work, especially from an IT infrastructure perspective? Yeah, first I'd like to just highlight the fact that um, you know we implement you know stringent requirements on, on all of our you know CSFC solutions. Uh, we we meet or exceed all. Uh, compliance requirements. We we undergo you know regular external reviews uh, and really place an emphasis on continuous monitoring. Our cyber network defense team has visibility on logs and traffic from all of our mobile devices, and all logs are consolidated in our secure information and event manager, really for integrated analysis. Uh, we also deploy required DoD cyber tools on our remote systems. Uh, these include, you know, endpoint security, uh, assured compliance, uh, and de deploy comply to connect. As I had previously mentioned, uh, we 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 also require, you know, multi-factor authentication for many of our mobile systems. Uh, utilize, you know, MDMs. Along with this is, you know, purebred key management application. Finally, really all remote systems are enabled with, with data in transit and uh, data at rest. So in your keynote, you really emphasized the importance of mobile on-demand network access and being able to pivot to address real-time human needs from an IT perspective. Can you talk a little bit about what some of your goals are your specific goals are in this area over the next year or so? Well, you know, clearly I'm, I'm biased given my role, uh, but I truly believe that, that some of the most important weapon systems we deploy are the, the IT systems and networks. Uh, you know, when, when we do field or develop new solutions, you know, our, our objective going in is to deploy these solutions, you know, from a, from a transport agnostic perspective. To do this, we really rely heavily on our gray network, which is essentially an encrypted tunnel. Uh, and while I don't think we'll ever rely, you know, exclusively on any one transport technology, we, 
ideally we're developing products that can be connected to you know to 5g to to home internet to commercial internet to commercial satellite you know military satellite you know line of sight systems and and certainly a number of our units are are conducting you know experimentation you know with with some of those uh devices uh today yeah following up on that do you guys have a plan to move to 5G? Are you already in the process of moving to 5G? What, is, what does that look like? I, I think 5G for us is just another transport alternative. And so we do have, we do leverage 5G to get today. Uh, the problem with many of the, the, the bases, camps, and stations that we, we are deployed at, I mean, typically you're on the edge of, of, of quality cell coverage. And so we're working with a number of vendors to, to move some of those systems, you know, onto bases so that we can really leverage the 5G network to, um, you know, expedite the secure transfer of, of maintenance, you know, data, you know, and logs as, as really an initial test basis and, and then potentially based on how well that goes, expanding it from there. Sure. So the director of the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency for the Army recently said he wants the Army and the rest of DOD to move away from government-first equipment to improve efficiencies around remote work and also just to serve the warfighter better. Is this a priority for SOCOM or not so much? I, I think it's always been a priority for SOCOM, and I, I think we'll continue to you know, analyze, you know, scrutinize, and experiment with 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 all products, you know, regardless of whether, you know, it's a government or commercial solution. And in fact, many of our existing and, and planned solutions today are commercial that we then, you know, modify to meet, you know, DOD security requirements. Um, and, and bottom line with every solution, we, we need to evaluate the, the cost, the benefit, you know, long-term sustainment uh, along with security. Uh, and, and as a, you know, something that we are taking a, a much harder look now as we've come out of COVID is, you know, potentially exploring some, you know, you know, bring your own approved device uh, solutions and, and really just kind of in the initial stages of that, but something that we'll continue to, uh, to look at going forward. Yeah, it seems like SOCOM in general, compared to the other military, like compared to the service branches, you know, like Army, Navy, Air Force, seems to be more on the cutting edge of innovation and creative solutions that then end up trickling down um, to the rest of DOD. Would you say that's an accurate assessment? I, I think all the services are doing a phenomenal job. I, I think we've got mm -hmm. the benefit of, you, you know, our organization. I mean, I'm, I'm located 100 yards away from, from SOF ATNL. Uh, I meet regularly with PEOC4, you know, PEOSDA, and, and really, all, you know, Mr. Smith and the acquisition executive, you know, there's there's one commander here, you know, providing guidance to the force, uh, you know, with the, the, you know, the chief of staff kind of leading those efforts, you know, for synchronization. And so I, I, I think that we are in a really unique situation. Uh, we, we've got some really uh, exquisite organizations that are really able to, to, to test the bounds of technology. Um, you know, they can they can try 10 things, you know, five work. You know, they get rid of the five that aren't working. You know, they adopt the five that that are working. You know, not it isn't always the case that all five of those are scalable to the enterprise level, but typically there's a handful that we are able to to scale. So I, I think that we're presented a lot of uh, advantages that uh, we're able to leverage through the unique acquisition 
uh, authorities that the, the command has. Sure, sure. Software supply chain vulnerabilities are a pretty hot button issue in federal cybersecurity in general right now. How is SOCOM working to secure software acquisition? And is the IT hardware supply chain more of a priority for you guys? Or is the software piece kind of taking some prevalence at the moment? I, yeah, I'd say clearly, you know, hardware and software risks have, have exponentially increased. And, and I can't say that we're placing more emphasis on, on hardware versus software. It's really all the above. You know, the manufacturing or, origins of, of Internet of Things you know, devices and, and related components, uh, you know, poses a, a significant concern. And, and we've certainly seen some issues in those areas, you know, over the past couple of years. You know, years ago, the authority to operate and network requirements were, you know, program, you know, afterthoughts. Today, you know, information system security managers and or officers are embedded with our acquisition team from, from day one. Uh, and, and while existing tools that our acquisition program managers use to acquire, you know, COT software or hardware, uh, mitigate some of the risk. Uh, we we truly believe there are really no fail-safe, you know, SCRM tools, you know, that eliminate the risk. Uh, we we've just seen too many high-profile exploits in recent years to to look at this any other way. Uh, now our acquisition professionals are able to to mitigate some of these by procuring hardware or software through uh, approved government IDIQ contracts. Uh, we're also building you know SCRM compliance into our contracts through related service level agreements and require you know, trade agreement act compliant part numbers uh, if applicable. Despite current efforts in this area, we certainly need to maintain our vigilance and focus on it going, going forward. Yeah, so I have one more question for you this morning. What does the future of cloud look like for SOCOM? And how are you balancing the mission sets, high security needs with hybrid cloud options and as a service type offerings? And I touched on this a little last week as well. I, I, I certainly see SOCOM remaining a hybrid cloud-based organization. Uh, bottom line, we have a lot of legacy systems that would just be way too costly to refactor, to leverage the benefits of cloud and, and just quite frankly would be you know, far too expensive to operate in a, in a commercial cloud environment. You know, meanwhile, anything we're currently developing, you know, needs to be designed, you know, to operate in, you know, in an on-prem or commercial cloud environment. Uh, we're also de deployed, you know, a handful of, of as-a-service solution, correction, as-a-service solutions exclusively in commercial cloud environments. So I, I don't see us, you know, going all in one way or the other. We, we, we still need to take a hard look. At the at the cloud enablement of some of our tactical equipment, uh, you know, IL six being limited to CONUS is is still a, a shortfall we need to work our way through as far as uh, pushing those services you know into the different theaters. Uh, and then another point I touched on last week is you know we're, we're today we're doing everything with coalitions, and so if our you know commercial cloud environments are, are US only, uh, we, we've got to work to get those so that there's coalition access into those as well. Sure, sure. And I have one quick follow-up question to that. Um, you mentioned, you know, balancing legacy systems with, you know, newer cloud technologies. 
DISA CTO Steve Wallace has talked a lot about how DISA is trying to, you know, reconcile legacy IT with new cloud solutions and how to make security solutions work for both of those and, you know, integrate those in a secure manner. What does that look like at SOCOM right now? I think it's, it's, it's clearly the same for us. Uh, and we do, you know, we, we leverage a lot of lessons learned out of this I, I, and, and other organizations, quite frankly, throughout the DOD. Uh, I think they're able to leverage some from us. And uh, we're constantly engaged at the, at the technical levels with all those organizations to, to, to kind of figure out, you know, best, best practices going forward. Great. Well, I think that's all I've got for you this morning, unless you had anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up. No, I'd just like to thank you for your time uh, again and, and the opportunity. And I, I certainly look forward to uh, future engagement. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Chidakis. Thanks. Army CIO Dr. Raj Iyer recently announced the Army's very successful Bring Your Own Device pilot will begin onboarding users over the next two months. Tragakis said SOCOM is already in the initial stages of their own BYOD pilot, as moving away from government-first equipment has always been a priority for this creative combatant command. To hear more about SOCOM and innovative IT solutions in the world of federal IT, Follow and subscribe to GovCast and visit our website at governmentciomedia.com. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with CyberCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com.